This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum, hello Allah, and welcome to Life Beats. It is a brand new week and a brand new year. It was an incredible 2018 for us here on Life Beats, and I'm so excited for what's to come in 2019. Of course, I'll be bringing you more interviews with amazing people whose stories you need to know, but we'll also be taking you to some incredible places and discovering all the great things that make Life Beat. I'm excited to kick it all off today with our first guest. It is the age of modest fashion and the modest is leading the way. Ghazan Gurnez is a leader on the global fashion stage and is the CEO and founder of the premier luxury e-commerce modest fashion portal. We're going to be hearing her story next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Now, whether you are Muslim or not, if you've been following fashion over the last few years, you will have seen trends in modest fashion appearing and even becoming part of international runways. What started out as something specific to women of the Muslim faith has grown into something that is beyond religious garments. And it's come to encompass a new aesthetic that women all over the world are embracing, regardless of cultural or religious background. In fact, with modest fashion searches increasing by 500% on Pinterest in the UK alone, and more designers resorting to longer and more flowy designs, the industry is expected to increase 51% by 2019, reaching a net worth of 400 and $50 billion. To tell us more, I'm so pleased to now welcome into the Life Beats studio, Rosanne Gurnes. Hi, Sally. Thanks for so, having me. So great to have you because uh, you're really someone who I've been uh, watching for quite some time, somebody who's really at the forefront of making changes in fashion uh, that many of us women who love to dress modestly are welcoming um, okay. all over the world. Um, but I want to kind of go back to the beginning because uh, even though uh, you are a global name in fashion, you actually started out in finance. Sure. So tell us more about you you and your uh, love of fashion and how this all came about. Sure. So the story starts, I think, well, the beginning of the story is where I am from and I'm Algerian. I was born and brought up in Algiers. And I think my earliest memories of fashion is my mother who used to travel between um, France and London and back to Algeria because she was studying between the two cities. And if you remember back in the 80s when women traveled, they, they were, you know, they glammed for it. They dressed up and, you know, the hair and the makeup, it was very different from how we travel today which I'm event. more grateful for, yeah. <laughs> given all the travel. But, you know, I remember her coming back and, you know, being very glamorous and the fashion and, and all of that. And these were my earliest memories. But I remember always loving fashion. Nevertheless, my field um, ended up being finance. I started working in an investment company um, right after university and spent about 13 years there. And really my, um, you know, my being in, fa- in, in fashion today is by virtue 
issue of a problem that I um, decided to provide a solution for as opposed to really uh, making a choice to fulfill, you know, a long lasting dream of being in fashion. It wasn't it wasn't that at all. So what was that problem that you were seeing that you thought, I've got to do something about this? Sure. So again, working in finance for 13 years, I dressed a certain way. I mean, I was in in an environment that was conservative, that was male dominated and uh, work appropriate attire was, you know, more demure, more covered up. And that grew to become my aesthetic or my style aesthetic. And and at the same time, my mother, um, who's obviously an influential uh, person in this whole story um, had started wearing the hijab 20 years ago and uh, and I had seen her journey as well in you know wearing a hijab and she would never she had never been someone who you know dressed in a revealing manner but that journey of you know covering up and the nuances that she had to adhere to um, was was just an interesting one and for both of us the shopping experience was quite time-consuming frustrating and, and alienating so for us to find clothes that were stylish, beautiful, fashionable, but at the same time respected the length of the sleeve, the length of the hems, the opacity of the fabric covering the neckline were all, um, you know, it was just all problematic. And just like us, there are millions of women out there who dress modestly and don't have a platform or a destination that speaks to them in a meaningful way. And that was, you know, ultimately what we wanted to build. And you definitely did that Thank very you. successfully. Um, but, you know, I just want to pick up on a couple of things that you talked about there. Uh, you were talking about your mum who was coming from very much a faith-based uh, mm-hmm. need for this kind of clothing. But you had a completely different need for it as well, being in finance. So um, it, I think it's a good idea for us here to talk about what exactly does modest fashion mean? Because we do kind of sometimes think about it and associate it with being Muslim uh, but actually the definition is so much bigger than that. Absolutely and I think that's one of the main things that we try and tell through the story of you know what we do and our platform. Um, The truth is that you know the Muslim and the hijabi woman is one of the women that dress modestly but she's not the only woman that dresses that way. Women globally across different cultures, backgrounds, religions, ages, sizes dress modestly for various reasons. It could be work appropriate, it could be age appropriate, it could be because she wants a flowy silhouette and a long sleeve or it could just be a style aesthetic. A woman just wants to look chic and elegant and she finds that you know being modest is um, you know provides her that or you know allows her to to kind of kind of carry herself that way. Mm. So so the truth is that there are a lot of stereotypes around modesty. One of them is you know that this woman is is the hijabi dresser maybe from a particular region generally from the Middle East but it goes beyond that. And into, it's like traditional and it's dowdy. Exactly, exactly. And it's just depressing, yeah. <laughs> so quite it's, frankly. It's, you yeah. know, it's generally, it's it's black. Is it an abaya? It's a hijab. And also there are stereotypes around the personality of the mm. woman. So, you know, she's shy. She's at home. She's um, not doing much in society. There's, there's a lot of that. And what mm. we're trying to say is, guys, actually, she's much more than that. And 
and she's you know doing amazing things in society at work in life she could be a neurologist a journalist or you know a homemaker um, and she's also you know exciting. she's a sports person as well exactly you know she's exactly. out there doing absolutely everything yeah. and she's excited about fashion and she wants exactly what all other women who love fashion want except she wants certain parameters so why should she sacrifice the you know the style for the choice that she has made in life exactly I just I think you've summed it up so well uh, particularly as somebody um, who myself for over 20 years now have cho- has chosen to dress modestly mm. and um, you know uh, sometimes obviously as well wearing hijab and it's so difficult and yeah. it's so frustrating going shopping uh, can be a nightmare just Simply even sometimes, you you know, you find something, it's got the long sleeves, but then like the whole chest is exposed yeah. and you're like, you, you, it's yes. So, you know, when you have something like this, it just makes life so much easier and so much more beautiful and that's that's the whole point is is really that we understand that woman and we are that woman and we've you know gone through that trouble and frustration and so it's all about making the whole um, experience easy for her whether she is a practical woman who you know does not have time for shopping and just wants to very quickly go through things and buy what she wants and wants the functionality or she's someone who wants to explore and loves fashion wants to spend time equally she's going to find you know what she's looking for um, but with an experience that is immersive from beginning to end and it inspires her from a style perspective it also tells her stories through our magazine so it tells her stories of women like her who are doing amazing, incredible things in life, whether they are, you know, a pop singer in in Malaysia or or, or a doctor in, you know, in, are we talking in about Dubai. Yuna? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> Yuna. I love Yuna. She's, She's amazing. She's a hijabi Malaysian woman who's a pop star. So you know, talk With about breaking stereotypes. Beautiful voice. True. Beautiful voice. True. Oh my goodness. And I love that we're talking about this uh, right now. All of the different because it's not just about fashion. This represents so much more. Absolutely. It's about identity. It's about who we are. Our multiple identities, that it's not just one uh, thing that we are or one thing that we do. And it's about representing all of that. I'm so excited. Rizan Gurnez is in the studio with me right now. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about how that conversation around fashion has changed. What are the things that have led up to that? We're very excited for it. More to come next on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Welcome back to Life Beats. Vizangonez is in the studio with us. We are talking uh, how fashion has changed, how it is being more inclusive and bringing in women who choose to dress modestly, listening to their needs, but also recognizing that the market is huge now. Across the world, Rizan, as we said earlier, um, it's reaching $450 billion worldwide. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is a figure that cannot be ignored um, any longer. But I want to ask you, why do you think now this is happening? Why are we seeing this change now? Because, you know, even before the modest, um, you know, we've been seeing the likes of, say, Valentino, you mm-hmm. know, bringing in those beautiful, long, floor-length, flowy dresses. Yeah. Uh, we've been seeing, you know, Halima Adin. We've been seeing Maria Idrisi. Mm-hmm. We've been seeing so many different things going on uh, in the world of fashion. Um, 
and it's it feels like it used to feel like moments, but now it is a movement. True. And so why is that? I mean, I think there are so many reasons to that and we can we can spend a lot of time talking about it and analyzing, but I think probably when we think about fashion we, if we get into it, it's it's interesting to understand what's been happening in the last few decades in fashion and then understand that the conversation around modesty is a little bit of a reaction to that. And if you if you think of the last call it 30 years in fashion or or, or you know, few decades in fashion, think about all the women that you have seen in covers of magazines in ad campaigns, in fashion editorials. Everything that sold was about being sexy and revealing and, you know, a lot of skin. And and it was always from a male perspective, from a male lens or what we call the male gaze. And, you know, that went on for so long and everything that we saw out there spoke the same language and the same tone. And what is happening right now is there is a, a shift that is beginning to happen in the world of fashion and that shift is around you know the fact that there is a different way that us women actually look at each other the female gaze and how you know I look at you and I'm admiring your blouse and it's entirely modest and I love it and I want to go and buy it so it actually sells that you're wearing it and looks <laughs> it looks gorgeous on it on you but I don't need to see skin and and I think that is exactly what's happening and what we have been doing actually is showing the world that you can have beautiful fashion editorials and you ha- you can have great ad campaigns that sell and you can have gorgeous women on the covers of magazines looking just as fashionable as you know every other woman and you don't need to show skin and it's not to say that one should exist on the you know on instead of the other but it's the coexistence because that's the reality of women it's about you know the fact that one woman chooses to dress modestly and the other woman chooses to wear a short skirt and it's totally fine because it's about choice but it is those two women and they should both exist parking aside the objectification of women obviously we're talking about you no know, choice here and and you know how that how that choice reflects is- itself in the fashion industry exactly you know if one day you uh, choose to dress a certain way you want to be able to find uh, somebody who reflects what you want to wear. Totally. Uh, and that is vital because it's, uh, as we were saying just before the break, it really is about identity as well. Mm-hmm. It's about personal identity and feeling like you are pre- represented, whether it's in the media, in fashion magazines, Correct. whether it's in the movies, Correct. and whether it's walking into a department store or going online yeah. and shopping online and seeing something that speaks to you. Absolutely. Speak. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit over brands or retailers or, you know, any, any, I'm just over the idea that there's one type and one look and one shape and one color that is represented or shown in this in this industry when your customers the most important thing and the core of your livelihood um, are so diverse Mm. and so versatile and so beautiful so it's so important for them to be represented in what you do and and I think it's you know not only is it you know the truth and authentic and a modern way of thinking um, but it's also you know it's just smart as well you know, if you don't, if you're not representing your customer, I don't understand how you connect with them and how you engage. Exactly. And, you know, what's interesting about uh, the whole conversation about modest fashion is that we're living in a time now where a lot of us have 
um, multiple kind of cultural backgrounds mm-hmm. and personalities and, um, you know, feelings of, of belonging in more than one place. Mm. And, you know, kind of looking at traditional modest fashion is beautiful. I love that abaya. I wear many, many mm-hmm, abayas mm-hmm. and have for a long time. Um, but sometimes you feel like you want something that's unique. Sure. Sometimes you want something that is completely different, that represents a lot of the different things of who you are. Yeah. And this is these are the kind of brands that uh, you tend to carry. This is something that I've noticed. It is so contemporary and it mm-hmm. is so fresh. It's like a brand new voice that doesn't say modest fashion anymore. It's just fashionable. Absolutely. And and that's our in our mandate when we were building our site was that this woman needs to land on a site that just looks fashionable. She doesn't need to see modesty because modesty doesn't need to look different than fashion. It's not like, you know, this is modest. This is the only difference between the two is functionality. This woman requires long sleeves, long hems, opaque fabrics and, you know, all other, you know, boxes that we need to tick and it's our problem and it's our thing to, you know, our box aesthetic but in terms of fashion and excitement and style and curation and experience it should be identical why why shouldn't it she is deserving of that kind of experience coming up next we're going to be talking about uh, the international fashion stage uh, and how uh, some of the world's biggest designers are really embracing modest fashion i want to talk about uh, your uh, exhibition which you co-chaired in san francisco mm-hmm. at the de Young museum mm-hmm. um because uh, we actually had we had ruh alam he was on the show. Mm-hmm. Who did the calligraphy for that? Sure. Um, and that was an incredible exhibition. I want to talk a bit about that uh, and what's next for modest fashion. So much to talk about with Rizlan Gurnes next on Life Beats on Pulse ninety five. This is Pulse ninety five. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse ninety five. Ninety five. Welcome back to Life Beat. Uh, Rizlan Gunez is in the studio with us today, one of the leading voices in the world of fashion today. We are talking modest fashion, but it goes beyond all of that. Women all over the world are choosing to dress modestly. It's uh, fueling an industry that is in the hundreds of billions of dollars uh, this year. Um, and something that you did, Rizlan, is on International Women's Day, you decided to launch your site, um, which is amazing. I love that you chose that date, Mm -hmm. um, you know, which speaks a lot to uh, what The Modest is about. Um, But in terms of um, the reaction, what kind of reaction did you have um, when you launched your site, uh, when we talk about um, women all over the world embracing it, the kind of brands that you carry as well, um, you know, in, in terms of the trends that they're following. Tell us more about that. Sure. So we did launch in International Women's Day and it was, um, you know, a conscious decision. And it's it really resonates with our purpose, which is around empowering women and their choice. It's all about, you know, their choice and, and enabling them to exercise that choice. Um, and um, the resonance has been incredible. I think first and foremost, we talk about our women and our customers because we've built this entire business for for her. And um, and to her, I think the, the what we've been seeing and the reaction has been overwhelming and and beautiful because to her we are her voice and we are a platform that is saying what she's always been wanting to say and representing her in a fashionable beautiful light and she feels that we are breaking those stereotypes that she's um 
that she's been experiencing. And so there is an, you know, there is an emotional connection between us and our brand and our customers because we stand for more than, you know, selling clothes and truly for, you know, a woman that we, you know, believe in and and we think is, you know, needs to be seen in the right way in in fashion and beyond. Um, but then also across brands that we carry, I mean, we launch with 75 of, you know, the most known brands in, in the world of fashion, in the luxury space, international and some regional brands. Um, but the resonance has been amazing. And that's that predominantly is um, because they have seen how we showcase their brands in a light that is slightly different, but equally beautiful. And that that enables them to connect with our woman in a manner that they wouldn't connect with her otherwise. They've got a bigger fish to fry. They've got a very diverse audience. And so for them to speak to the modest dresser directly is probably sometimes hard, especially for the small brands. Um, but what we do is we basically create that link. So we go to these brands and we curate what works for this woman from their collections, thereby making them very relevant to her. So she gets you know everything that she wants from the brand. The brand starts speaking to her in a meaningful way and we're this bridge that connects the two um, together mm. and and that's so important it's interesting uh, that you're talking about um you know our woman um it it makes it sound like it's it's one type of woman but actually um as as we've been saying it's such a, a diverse group of women sure, who are absolutely. being represented even within your own family mm-hmm. wi- within you know single families you can find uh, a whole diverse range of women who um maybe all dress modestly, but they all want to do it in their own Mm -hmm. unique, Mm -hmm. different way. True, true. And I think in my own family, we easily have eight different nationalities from Algerian to Lebanese to Moroccan to Canadian to Emirati to you name it. It's, wow. it's quite diverse. And then you go to the extended family and it's 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 truly like, you know, global citizens. Um, but um, but but that's the truth. That's and that's what inspired the whole idea is is understanding the reality of this woman and that mm. you can be a modest dresser that does it for various reasons and you can be quite diverse. And this is actually what made us choose to do it in a manner that took out the the religious and the cultural nuances from modesty and spoke to it from just a fashion point of view. Mm-hmm. We don't care and it doesn't matter why you dress modestly. That is your choice. But what we care about is actually providing you a beautiful solution and speaking fashion to you because ultimately, you know, that's what brings a diverse array of women together onto one platform. And so now you've also got a homegrown brand Mm -hmm. that you've created. Correct. Um, And so tell us about creating that. Why did you decide to do it? Yeah, we launched our our brand, our own brand earlier this year. And the idea is truly, you know, again, it's it's a gap in the market and it's a um, it's a need that exists. There are hardly any. In fact, there are no modest brands in the luxury space. Um, there are brands that have a modest aesthetic or a modest DNA, call it. You've referenced Valentino earlier, which is the right, you know, uh, you know, absolutely that. But there isn't a brand that thinks about the modest dresser in in everything they do, whether it is the opacity of the fabric or, you know, the, you know, the length of the hems or, you know, the spaces between the buttons. So so that, you know, you don't have to put a pin between the two buttons. <laughs> we, many true. of us know this 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 problem. What you're talking about is uh, like small details, but actually all of it matters. 
All exactly. of that matters to somebody who uh, wants to dress modestly. Um, maybe you're doing it for religious reasons. All of those little details matter. And yeah. if one of those things is missing from a garment, it's like a cross on that. It's yeah. just, it's gone. Yeah. And I, so, yeah, I mean, it ticks the functionality yeah. box, but it's also got a combination of very fashionable and sometimes also timeless pieces that mm. work for this woman. And it's been, you know, extremely, it's it's been doing extremely well beyond our expectations. So we're excited that our women are uh, are loving it. We love it too. And uh, I want to ask you coming up next, uh, I want to ask you about co-chairing the De Young Museum's Contemporary Muslim Fashion Exhibition, because this is an exhibition, amazing exhibition that brought uh, designers from all over the world, some of the top mm-hmm. designers uh, from all over the world to uh, showcase what modest fashion can be and mm-hmm. Muslim fashion as well, what it can be. And it was just incredible and mind-blowing. We're going to be talking about that next. And and some of the names that you're watching, uh, the fashion designers who are really making a difference, who are really uh, driving the trends. We're going to be talking about that next with Rizlan on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse95. We are back with Rizlan Gunez and we are talking Muslim fashion, modest fashion. I want to ask you, Rizlan, about uh, co-chairing the De Young Museum's Contemporary Muslim Fashion Exhibition. Uh, this was really groundbreaking. And for those mm-hmm. who don't really know much about it, tell us a bit more about that and why um, it was an amazing, an amazing exhibition. Absolutely. So we were contacted by the De Jong Museum a year before the actual exhibition launched, which was in September last year, and um, and to collaborate with them basically and to help them with from the fashion um, side of things. And so we worked together for about a year, and um, and it was incredible to actually be in at the opening of the exhibition, and it was particularly about Muslim fashion right so that was the brief to kind of showcase the the um the range and the diversity and the beauty of of muslim fashion so it was it was across a number of things so it was around you know who are the designers that are doing interesting things um what about on your platform because we do modest fashion not necessarily from a religious perspective and so we had our contribution of how modest fashion can also speak to a wider audience um and 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 there was there were you know it was everything in between um and yes yeah, so we when we when we attended the opening it was just incredible to see what they had put together they had designers and they had um pieces from across the world from malaysia indonesia our part of the world europe america and they all just came together in such a beautifully fused manner but what was more important is that it wasn't just about fashion it was it was also there was a cultural context to it there was an artistic side to it and so you actually got quite an immersive experience when you attended the um, the exhibition and um, and and to see something like that actually um, put together uh, in America in San Francisco um, is quite empowering it's it's quite exciting it's nice to see the embracing of different cultures and different religions and and being open and modern and and showcasing a different side I mean for the the longest time and still when you you know you hear muslim or islam
um, on the news, it's never, you know, it's never anything positive. So it's wonderful to actually see it in this context in in the States. That is uh, amazing. Like you said, it really is about representation and seeing yourself represented in a positive light. But uh, you had a lot of um, hijabi models who mm-hmm. um, were wearing extraordinary outfits that, um, you know, obviously not the everyday stuff, but something that spoke to art, something that yeah. uh, spoke to design in a completely different way, but incorporated, uh, obviously, the requirements of Muslim dress. Yeah. Seeing Muslim dress in a whole new light. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is, you know, it is also, sometimes you. it's important to exaggerate things a little bit to break some stereotypes. You know, people coming in and thinking, what are we going to see? I, th- I think, actually, many of the visitors the non-Muslim probably or those who are not exposed to, to Muslim fashion did not have much expectation and to see their reaction coming out of the exhibition was 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 incredible because everyone was so um, uh, so positively surprised by how well put together the sense of fashion the detail the um, the universe the, the universal kind of um, characteristic that it was carrying and that this could you know be something that I would wear and that actually it's not this alien thing that we don't understand and that you know is is kind of for them this could be very you know very much something that I can wear and is so it's I think the importance here and the significance is that it's so important to speak and it's so important to share and to create such um, events because the the less we bring awareness to a topic the more alien and scary or different people um, you know feel it or perceive it to be um, and it was just nice to see how people came out of it thinking well this is not something very different from you know how I dress or how I live except there is a hijab maybe you know involved there here and there exactly yeah. and at the same time how individual it all is and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. unique and interesting Absolutely. Uh, as well and inspiring quite yeah, frankly um, so I want to kind of uh, move on lastly to ask you about the future of fashion how you see it changing uh what's coming up and in terms of designers kind of uh, being at the forefront of this uh, what do you think we'll be seeing I think that any brand who's going to be at the forefront of fashion and any um and by brand whether it's an actual you know designer an actual you know fashion brand or even a retailer in fashion I think it's the the most important thing is the element of authenticity um, but also understanding your customer it is so important to understand that customer to represent her or him and to and to embrace this element of diversity I don't think it's modern anymore to think what I was saying earlier to think of, of customers as one type one shape one color um, one you know age but um but really to understand who they are and represent them in everything that you're doing and brands that do that are going to strike that connection with their customers and that's what you know brings success it's 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 truly that engagement between you and that community of customers and and people that you you're meant to be speaking to i'm so excited fashion is changing in ways that i could have only dreamt about Uh, you know a decade or two ago uh, which is so exciting to see you are part of that change thank you yes Lizanne it's just been an absolute pleasure thank you so much thank you so much for having me Sally thank you for joining us on Life Beats coming up in the next hour can video games keep you young and we meet an esports team 
made up of over 65s. We're going to be uh, also finding out which diet is the best in the world for overall longevity, longevity and health. That's next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.